Welcome to the I'm Still Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Whitlow. I've been reading and studying the Bible my entire life, but I still have a lot of questions, and I'm still learning what it means. Each episode, we will take a look at what the Bible has to say and what it means to us today. Welcome to episode 15. Today my topic is called, What Do You Mean by Salvation? A few years ago, a young lady started coming to my church. She seemed normal enough, she professed to be a Christ follower, and I accepted an invitation to be her Facebook friend. Her posts, however, were anything but normal. They were filled with profanity-laced tirades against businesses, against politicians, and against ordinary people who had crossed her path. The thing that really got me, however, is that she would end her tirade with, You need to get saved! I kind of felt like Inigo Montoya from the Princess Bride movie when Vecini kept saying, Inconceivable! Inigo finally says, You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. So what do I mean when I talk about salvation, or getting saved, or accepting Christ, or crossing the line of faith, or making a decision for Christ? Different folks use a lot of different terms for becoming a follower of Christ. Well, let me start with the why we need to be saved or accept Christ, or cross the line of faith, or make a decision. Every culture, no matter how primitive or developed, recognizes that there are actions that require a remedy. So the idea of punishment or payment to atone for, or attempt to make things right by the one who has done something wrong, for the benefit of the one who has been wronged, is a well-known and accepted principle. So here's the deal. God is our creator. He is holy and just. Now, since he is holy, he will not allow sin to be near him. He is just, so he doesn't make side deals for people who can do something for him or give a pass to his buddies to allow them to get away with their sin. He treats everyone the same. And Romans, the third chapter, the 23rd verse tells us, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And as a result, our sin has separated us from God. And the penalty of sin is death, or eternal separation from God's presence. But here's the good news. God is not only holy and just. He is also loving. He wants us to be reconciled to Him. He's not looking for an opportunity to destroy us. 2 Peter, the third chapter, the ninth verse says, God does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So what can we do? How do we get holy enough to get back into God's presence? Well, there's nothing that we can do on our own that can make us holy. No way. So God provided the perfect sacrifice that could allow our sins to be forgiven and put us in right standing with Him. He did this by sending Jesus to earth to live a perfect, sinless life and die a horrible death on the cross 
to pay the penalty for our sins. The holiness of God and the love of God converge in the cross of Christ. And His resurrection is a sign pointing to eternal life with Jesus for those who believe in Him. So when we are saved, or accept Christ, or cross the line of faith, or make a decision for Christ, whatever you want to call it, we are accepting this offer of forgiveness paid by Christ's death on the cross by believing that Jesus' death and resurrection was enough to ensure our forgiveness and declaring that He is now the Lord of our life. Wow, there's a lot that's packed in to these past few paragraphs. So I've been talking about what salvation is, but how do you actually do it? How do you get saved? Is there a process? Is there a checklist? And how do I know when I'm saved? Well, if you've spent much time at all in an evangelical church, you have most likely witnessed a time near the end of a worship service when the preacher gives an opportunity for people to receive Christ, give your heart to God, get right with God, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or any of the many ways that different people use to describe the moment of salvation. And you may be asked to repeat a prayer that the pastor leads, often referred to as a sinner's prayer. That prayer will typically have a declaration that you know that you need a Savior, and then you ask Jesus to forgive your sins and come into your heart, followed by words of gratitude for the sacrifice that Jesus made so that you could receive this gift of salvation. So, is that it? Are you saved after you say those words? Well, honestly, maybe you are, and maybe you aren't just yet. Because just repeating a prayer doesn't mean that you're saved. It's not the words that save you, even though the words are a necessary part. If someone badgers you until you repeat a prayer, it might make the person who is trying to get you to say the words feel better, but it doesn't change a thing for you if you're just repeating phrases. Now, I don't mean to make this complicated, because it's not. But I also want you to truly experience salvation and not just go through a spiritual exercise. Salvation is an encounter with God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus said, For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. The preacher doesn't save you. The prayer doesn't save you. What saves you is responding to God drawing you to the salvation moment. You begin to become aware of the truth of what the preacher or your friend is telling you about salvation. You become aware that you need forgiveness for the sins that have separated you from God. This awareness, or conviction, is brought about by the Holy Spirit of God who is drawing you to this understanding. For some, this awareness comes as soon as they hear about Jesus' sacrifice for their sins. For others, it may take quite some time to process and allow the Holy Spirit to draw them. But here's the deal. God does not force His way into a person's life. He invites. He comes to you, but you must also come to Him. And when you come to that moment of belief, 
and you understand what Jesus has done for you and what he is offering to you, then suddenly that prayer has great effect because it is no longer just a series of phrases that you repeat. It is a life-changing acceptance of a gift you could never attain on your own. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the internal belief in salvation in Jesus Christ that is brought about by the Holy Spirit leading you to the awareness of your need of salvation, working in conjunction with your external expression or confession that you are asking Jesus to become your Savior and Lord. Now let me ask you a question. Is salvation an event, or is it a process? Think about it. I've spent the last few minutes talking about a moment when you acknowledge the Holy Spirit making you aware of your need of salvation, and then praying a prayer that accepts that salvation. So are you done? Have you been granted a lifetime membership into the church? What should you be doing, if anything, to stay current? Let me begin to answer that second question by answering my first question. Salvation is both an event and a process. The process didn't begin at the moment you received salvation. That moment you received salvation was a pivotal event that changed the course of your life and your eternity. But the process for you began back when you were first able to understand the concept of right and wrong. The experiences of your life taught you that every day you were presented with choices. Most were inconsequential, like which shirt you would wear or where you would eat lunch. But some choices brought long-term consequences, like should I marry this person or should I buy this house? Many times you based your decision on how you felt in your gut about something because it was impossible to get all of the facts on a spreadsheet. Sometimes your decisions worked out well, and sometimes not so well. But then there were times that you wondered about spiritual matters. You saw good and bad about church. You saw good and bad about Christians. You wondered if it was true, and if it was true, was it worth pursuing? And then, at a certain moment, you sensed in your gut that this whole salvation thing is true, and that now was the time to jump in. You now know that your gut sensation was actually God's Holy Spirit actively inviting you to come to Jesus. But it didn't just happen at that moment. The process for all of us actually began back to the earliest time of recorded history. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden sinned. They realized that they were naked and that they were afraid to appear before God. God provided a covering for them by killing an innocent animal and using its hide as a covering for them. It established the principle of innocent blood being shed to cover the sin of the guilty. Throughout the Old Testament, this principle of substitutionary sacrifice was firmly established. All of the Old Testament points to a perfect sacrifice that once and for all would pay the penalty of sins of everyone. Of course, we know that the perfect sacrifice was Jesus. 
and followers of Jesus have been sharing the good news of salvation ever since. Generation after generation carried this message from country to country, and eventually someone shared this good news with you, the Holy Spirit confirmed it to you, and you received it. So that moment that you received Christ was a moment when your timeline shifts from your life before Christ to your life with Christ. It is a new life. Let me put it this way. When a baby is born, its timeline shifts from being pre-born to being fully human. But that little human does not yet have any of the skills and understanding that it will have as it develops and grows. And that's the way it is with a new Christ follower. Yes, you are fully forgiven, and everything is new, but you are still closer to your pre-Christ life than you are to who you will become as you live for Christ through the years. A newborn baby needs people who will give it care and instruction until it is able to survive on its own with the expectation that it will eventually be able to help bring others into the world and care for them the way they were cared for when they were young. In the same way, the new believer needs people who will care and instruct them until they are able to share the gospel with others and help them along on their journey. And the process continues from generation to generation. All of us who call ourselves Christ followers can thank the previous generations who faithfully carried the message of salvation to us. So let me begin to conclude this episode by saying this. When we were saved, we were saved from the penalty of sin. No longer did we face the death that was the sure penalty that our sins called for. As we live going forward as someone who has had our sins forgiven, we are saved from the power of sin. No longer do we have to succumb to every temptation that would derail our life as a Christ follower because with the Holy Spirit residing in us, we can call on His strength to help us in every situation to resist every temptation as we live in this difficult world. And with the promises of eternal life with Jesus at the end of our earthly life, we will be saved from the very presence of sin. No longer will we face the temptations of sin or face the results of living in a sin-broken world. We were saved from the penalty of sin, we are being saved from the power of sin, and we will be saved from the very presence of sin. So when we talk about salvation, we aren't talking about a life improvement hack. We are talking about a new life that fills us with love for others and the power to get through every situation of life. I'm thinking of the words to an old hymn that I sang in the church that we attended when I was a little boy. It says, Hallelujah, what a thought. Jesus' full salvation brought victory. If you don't have victory in your life, I would like to invite you to accept God's gracious offer of salvation in Jesus Christ. It'll be the best decision you've ever made in your life. Thanks for listening to this episode, What Do You Mean by Salvation? 
If you have comments or questions, feel free to message me on Facebook or Instagram. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Until next week, this is Randy Whitlow, and I'm still learning.